You are listening to a sermon preached at the First Christian Church of St. Ignatius in St. Ignatius, Montana. For more information, you can visit us at www.firstchristiansti.org. They don't get old for me. I, I hope they're not getting old for you. And the whole story, just to be reminded of those prophecies and to see their fulfillment in morning. Jesus as he came, uh, it's a great thing. But this last one, We Three Kings, that's one of my personal favorites. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's a little kid thing. Little kids kind of seem to gravitate toward that, and I just never outgrew it. I don't know what it is. But uh, I always liked that. And of course, We Three Kings, the... Uh, the thrust of that is about gifts. Now, it's deeper than that, of course. There's very theological uh, significance to, to those verses and, and the things that they represent, those different gifts did. But it is about gift giving, in, a, in part. And uh, that's one of the things that we usually associate with Christmas, isn't it? Uh, now, I just as an introduction to the message here this evening, and I, I don't think it'll be too long of a message, but uh, as an introduction, uh, here is a video that has a little bit of a different take on an old traditional song that also talks about gift giving. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm glad you hear you say that. I was just going to ask that. Are those guys having fun? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't know how many times I've watched this. It cracks me up every time I do it, partly because I think they're just having such a good time uh, with it. And I think they ought to be having fun. And I think we ought to be having fun. I think we are. Um, because Christmas is, for what we are observing, what this means, Christmas ought to be a joyous time of year. And yet, for some, it isn't. And sometimes that has to do with this whole thing about gifts and the expense associated with those gifts. I mean, let's use the 12 Days of Christmas song as an example. Every year, uh, various information outlets undertake to determine what the cost would be this year for the gifts listed in the 12 Days of Christmas song. Nothing's exactly cheap, as you might guess, although eight made the milking, probably the cheapest thing on the list, will run you only $58 an hour, according to federal minimum wage. That's, yeah, that's 64.40 in Montana. That doesn't make any difference. The partridge and a pear tree, one of each, will cost you around $210, and a pair of turtle doves is about $375, and so on. Now, one item on this list is far more costly than all the others, and do you know which one it is? I didn't make any of that out. How about seven swans a-swimming? will set you back more than $13,000 just for seven swans. Who knew? I'm in the wrong business, right? Okay. And that's just one day of swans, of course. Swans are given on days 7 through 12. That's six times if you're keeping track. One figure suggested as the total cost for all 12 days of Christmas in the song is $156,000. Yeah, 100, over, whatever. The number's on the screen. I hope none of you... I hope none of you felt compelled to give your true love all the gifts of the 12 days of Christmas. Anybody? No? One thing is sure, though, that really would have to be your true love, wouldn't it? I mean, whatever your Christmas gift cost this year, they probably didn't even begin to approach that amount, or at least I hope I'm correct in that. Now, when we receive gifts, we're told not to consider, we're taught this from a young age, we're told not to consider how much they cost. You just, you don't say that. How much did you pay for that? You don't say that as you're unwrapping the present. It's not polite, right? But tonight, I want you to do just that. Each one of us has been given a tremendous gift. Now, probably everyone here could quote John 3.16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now John 3.16 has been broken down like this. God, who loved the world, he's the greatest lover there ever is. So loved. He loved the world in such a way, it's the greatest degree of love. He loved the world, which is the greatest number 
And he loved the world so much that he gave, which would be the greatest act. He gave his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, and that's an invitation, the greatest invitation, whosoever believes, the greatest simplicity, in him, who is the greatest person, that's Jesus, shall not perish, because that's where everyone's headed unless they have faith in Christ. And so it's the greatest deliverance that one man could bring about that kind of salvation for all. But the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, eternal life, which could be easily considered the greatest possession. And we celebrate Christmas because it is the time when God gave his son, Jesus, to us. Okay? We read this passage a little bit earlier from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born, underline, capitalized, bold face, for you, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now we've read that how many times? Just this year. We've heard it more. And we know it, and we sing about it, and we talk about it. But those two words, in verse 11, make all the difference. Because it's not just that on that night long ago, in the city of David, there has been born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And that he came to save some. He came to save a few. He came to save even many. No, he came to save all. And so those two words, for you, make this an expression of the greatest gift that you could ever have. And it was a costly gift. You know, sometimes, I don't know what you think about this. Um, maybe you never think what I'm about to say, but it might be that we would think that it was easy for God or that it was easy for Jesus to do this, to come and, and be born there in Bethlehem and wise men and shepherds and angels, and that was all easy. I don't think there was anything easy about it, although you have to ask the question, would the one who was able to create the universe find anything difficult to do? I understand the conundrum, but while difficult might not be exactly the right word, I don't think that what Jesus did for us was easy for him. Just the act of incarnation itself. When Jesus became a human being, this was something that required much of him. From Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7, says this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in a likeness of men. The all-powerful, invincible creator became a human being who experienced fatigue and hunger and thirst 
and pain. He left heaven, a place we can only imagine, to experience cold, heat, rain, and wind. And he exposed his perfect divine nature to the vulnerability of temptation, sorrow, and grief. I don't see how any of that could have been easy. Then, of course, there was the pain of the cross itself. Physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. 2 Corinthians 5.21 speaks about what God did with Jesus on the cross. It says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The night before the crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus struggled with what was coming as he prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. It doesn't sound easy to me. By his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. And you know what the curse of the law is? Romans 3.23 tells us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. But by his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus redeemed us from that curse. The thing we need to remember, and maybe especially right now, the price of that redemption was greater than anything we could ever pay. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For us, eternal life is a free gift given to us by God. And sometimes, along with that perception, comes the, maybe, at least, the lack of appreciation for what that gift really cost. Not us, but cost someone else. Just because it's a free gift doesn't mean that it is without value. And no earthly wealth or possession could purchase salvation for us. So, what did it cost? Jesus redeemed us with his precious blood. And we would describe its value as priceless. God paid the ultimate price to give to us the ultimate gift. And the birth of Jesus Christ introduced him into the world. But that was all that we have there, was the introduction of his earthly existence. He came, even that night as a little baby, he came that he might give himself as an atoning sacrifice so that the sins of the world sounds so far away and impersonal, doesn't it? No, not just the sins of the world. Your sins and my sins might be forgiven. And I hope 
I really hope and pray that all of you here have received this gift, the gift of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. But if you haven't yet received that gift, please consider doing so as you listen to the words of this song. Christmas time is here again, presents wrapped with gold. Sit beneath the Christmas tree with lights and mistletoe. Some are gifts you're giving, some you may receive. The greatest gift of Christmas isn't under the tree. Was the humblest of beginnings. Danger was his bed. Wise men came to see a king, but they found a child instead. Who'd have thought that God's own son would come to earth this way? This most precious of all gifts God gives to you today.
days of old, and his word is always true. God has given the greatest 